this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. This call is being recorded. It is time to begin. Who do we have online this evening, please? Regina. We got Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Precious. Precious. Okay. Jamila. Hey, Jamila. Hey. Takia. Hey, Takia. Hey. Hi, everybody. Okay. Hello. All right. Brandy, you want to open us up in uh, prayer, please? Sure. Lord, we just thank you. For your word, your true word. And we thank you for all the victories you've given us today. From this point forward, every other victory. We thank you that you are the head of, of every single listener here. And may we ask that, may the person that actually gives the word, may every individual that listens to your word be able to understand what you're telling each individual. And may the person that gives the word be able to articulate the things that you have shown this individual. And we thank you for the word that is about to come forth. May it nurture every single individual here on this call in Jesus' mighty name. And we also pray for a clear line tonight. No no disruptions in any way, form, or fashion. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Do you hear do you hear that line? You ain't messing up. Yep. All right. First of all, good evening to everyone who's online this evening. And uh we're gonna be in several places, and several was at least two to this evening. And um I'm gonna bring some short topics but they're gonna be connected. They're not gonna be in the same book in the Bible, but they're gonna be connected. And I trust that you will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with us on an individual and also a collective level. Um, So if you have your Bibles there, I'd like you to turn to the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. 
Now, we're not doing the entire chapter, all right? Um, I trust you guys are understanding where the Lord wants you guys to be as a body of believers uh, in your Sunday services. Um, the Lord is speaking individually and collectively to he that has an ear in this particular hour. And there's some things that the Lord has spoken directly to me concerning being prepared. And it seems like in our walk with the Lord that there's always, he's always having a time where he pulls us aside or he'll speak to our spirit, speak to our heart, speak in a dream of vision, even through a prophetic word. And it's like course correction, even as we walk with him. I would like you to see what the instructions is given to a man who is told, given instruct, he's given three things to do. You might even know the story. It's Mr. Abram. And chapter 12, of course, is a continuation of chapter 11. So if it seems strange, like, why does chapter 12 start out with the word now? If you went back into chapter 11, you can see some things that lead up to now, the word now. So, Precious, would you read, we're just going to read just the first three verses of chapter 12 of Genesis, okay? Okay. Chapter Genesis 12, verse 1. Yeah, Genesis 12. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Okay, stop right there. Uh, mm-hmm. Right there. Okay, did you guys hear the three instructions? Would you read them again, mm-hmm. precious, very slowly? The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country. Go on. Your people. Number two. And your father's household. To the land I will show you. Okay, number two, verse two. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And verse three. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All right. Back to verse one. I would encourage everyone (laughs) that has anything to do with you want the Lord to just lead you, guide you, bless you, prosper you, promote you, to pay attention to three instructions given to a man who is not Jewish. He is a heathen, 
when you read in chapter 11, he's from an ancient, ancient civilization, the Chaldeans. They are idol worshipers. And if they're an idol worshiper, that means they do children, women, and men sacrifices to false gods. They are adept at how to fight. They're adept at how to strategize. They are adept at hiding, meaning how to blend in with the surroundings. And the Lord, our Lord, takes a man with that kind of background, that kind of DNA, and speaks to him and tells him three things that as a Chaldean, they wouldn't begin to think of. He wouldn't He wouldn't even give it a thought. If someone ran up to him with a newsletter and read him this, he'd probably kick the person. But I want you to see, because we are given a Bible, both First and Second Covenant, Old and New Testament, that the Lord can speak out of Old Testament just as well as he can in the New Testament. And just as the Lord is prepping you in your Sunday services so that you can mature and be prosperous. And when I say prosperous, I'm not talking financial. I'm talking about in the spiritual arena where God will begin to multiply what he releases to the congregation, of course, on an individual basis, I would submit to you that if you ask the Holy Spirit, not right now, and ask him, what country is in me right now? What relatives are in me right now? I see that's natural and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I need to get away from my father's house now. Not necessarily that you're living in your physical father's house, but what are you carrying with you mm-hmm. that's a reminder that will hinder you from progressing? What is the shortcoming? What is the short thinking? What is the confusion? What is the disappointment? So that the, you and the Holy Ghost can walk that out so that you can become verse two, that God will bless you. See, the Lord is speaking to a man who has an understanding of worldly things. Okay. But now the Lord is going to take those worldly, those worldly things of his worshiping of idols, and he's focusing Abram. Now, the focusing didn't happen overnight. The focusing didn't happen over a year. It happened over years. The Lord doesn't even use the word covenant here, yet he's talking covenant by saying, whoever blesses you, I will bless them. Whoever curses you, I will curse them. I'm blessing you, Abram. Abram is not a Hebrew at this point. He's in the development stages, just like we are as believers. We're still being developed. 
and the Lord is speaking specifically to him so God can create a people. Now, remember, what is said in Genesis chapter 1 is not null and void just because Adam picked up the fruit. He still says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. That does not change here in chapter 12 of Genesis. It does not change. Same words. Now God is saying, well, Adam didn't do this. I'm I'm not stopped by that. I'm going to find me a man. And since, of course, there was no righteous man like Noah, we're going to uh, work with Mr. Abram because I know what I put on the inside of him. It took years to unfold what was on the inside of Abram, but God allowed the training of the Chaldeans to formulate his heart. Because as Chaldeans, their worship of the many types of idol gods had to be on point. Otherwise, you got killed. That's how stringent the Chaldean society was. So Abram is skilled, and God took the skills that he has, which is called discipline. And now we have a man not knowing that he's going to be literal, the beginnings of a nation, which is what Adam was supposed to do with his wife. So God said, I don't give up. And so here we now have a man, several hundreds and probably thousands of years after Mr. Adam. And God said, okay, you, sir, get away from your family, get away from your house, get away from their their responsibilities. But we know the story, and we're not going to deal with it any further. But... Mr. Abram took something with him, and I'm not calling Lot of something, but one of the things that God said was, get away from your house. Now, if you bring your nephew, you haven't gotten away from your father's house because that's that's Abram's uncle. Mm -hmm. All right? Okay. Everybody is, everybody's an idol worshiper, okay? So I'm not putting that aside, but God said to do da, da, da. And Abram, Mr. Perfectionist Chaldean, uh, we're used to carrying something of our house with us, even though God spoke directly to him. I'm only pointing out things, class. I'm only pointing out things when God gives us something to do. If he says, go around the corner and Don't do anything but just sit down on the curb. Make sure your feet don't get run over by a car and just sit there for the next two hours. If you have to bring something to sit on on the concrete because the concrete is hard, but just do that. (laughs) Just do that. (laughs) You don't know if an angel's going to come and get out of a taxi cab and sit right next to you and you think it's a person. And it'll be an angel. And just when you kept looking at this person, wondering, what are they sitting next to me for? 
the angel turns to you and begins to tell you some things you have been waiting to hear. So before we move into the next section, you guys, I'm not going to be long on this. I'm just going to hit you with what I know the Lord is doing on an individual basis, and I'd love to share that with you. You can take it and run with it. But there's three things that the Lord wants in his His body of believers to reexamine. And I'm not saying you guys are doing it on purpose or you're aware of it, but I noted um, in my class when we were going over Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it hit me that God is still walking us out of things that we don't know are there. And it's not an accusation. He just wants the best for us. So before we move to part two, are there any questions or comments? Well, when you were, first of all, this is such a blessing um, (laughs) because it it adds on to Sunday's message from Pastor. this, when you mentioned where Abraham comes from and what they did, it makes me kind of look at the sacrifice of his son um, in that, because I've never, I never kind of realized the culture that Abraham came from. Okay. Um, but I don't know, it just made me look look at that a little different now. <laughs> okay. Well, amen. I'm, I'm, that's why you guys, I like to give you background stuff. So you, so when you hear something, you can go, oh, or you can go, oh, that makes sense. But yeah, imagine God took an idol worshiper and he said, I placed something in him. So now I'm calling for what's on the inside of him. So I'm going to bring him out from and we hear the parts that he's out from and i'm going to send him on a journey and you know he didn't have no he didn't have no automobile so you know it takes a while to walk south from this point and the south was to go to egypt but it looks like he goes there so that his wife can be sought after so that god can start blessing him but i would suggest to you yes that's true But what about the idea of sowing and reaping? If the Lord says to Abram, I'm going to bless you, and those that bless you, I will bless, and those that curse you, I will curse. Wouldn't that, if you're a thinking individual, begin to go, wait a minute. Abram doesn't have any children. We know he doesn't have any children. It's not even mentioned, but as as we were, if we were to continue, we would see about the no the no child rule right here going on, and so they were strapped with that going on in their hearts. But it's not primary right now in chapter twelve, and so the king or the pharaoh in Egypt, but God sent Abram to to Egypt as 
a forerunner for the generations because as we learn, which we're not doing the covenant of Abrahamic covenant, but as we learn, God spoke to him the future while it had not yet happened, but he said in your loins, which means God was God God changed some things, but to get him first away from all familiarity so that God could have him alone to form him to be who he needed to be, not just for Abram to Abraham, but for to you and I. Because because of Abraham's faithfulness and obedience, yes, he didn't obey, but I'm talking about overall. His overall obedience, here we are. Mm-hmm. The seed of Christ came through him, you guys. So God had to make a clear path. So he, in order to make a clear path, you have to kill some things. Or shall I say, get rid of them? That's what he was doing. He was making a clear path for his son, which literally is he made a clear path for us. Any other comments or questions before we move to part two? Um. Just as you were talking about how God had told Abram, because of course he wasn't Abraham at this point, you know, to that from that generation of the of the Chaldeans, they yeah. being a people of idol worship, it just the correlation for me was when the people finally were leaving and escaping Egypt. This is like chapters and chapters later, all the way in Exodus, they're leaving Egypt. And yet, and still, they still secretly <laughs> had idols in yeah. their pocket. And yeah. even if you fast forward the video all the way up until the genealogy of Christ, yeah. we still had those secret things, those idols or whatever you want to call yeah. it, that yeah. God had been saying for generations uh-huh. To get rid of, and yet and still, we put other things before him. Yes. So I'm just looking at all that, like, God, it took a long time, Jesus, for you to come. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Lori, the disobedience of our forefathers, you know, but just yes. thinking of that, like, knowing that it all the way over here from the Chaldeans, all like eons and eons later, <laughs> a simple instruction of, don't take anything with you. And it's like, you still got stuff in your pocket. So, yes. okay. That was my two cents. <laughs> okay. But it is true. It's interesting. I don't know if Abram, you know, prior to chapter 12 ever went to Egypt. I, I'm, I'm going to say no, just by, um, my studies, but I, I could, I'm not going to say I'm absolutely sure, but I don't think so. Because he was he was questioning the Lord when the Lord said just get up and go. He he's not a he's not used to those terms, get up and go. You know, he wanted the triple A map. And God said, I'm I'm the triple A and I'll let you know when you can map. <laughs> and uh he ended up going into areas that were the outskirts of Egypt. Now, we all know Egypt worshipped idols too. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like he left um he left A 
and then you went to Z, and in between there, it wasn't all filled up with the same thing. Uh, yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, and was introduced to other idols. <laughs> yeah, just you know, this is called introduction to idols, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting. Now, if no one has anything to say, that's a great segue or transition in what we just said to go to our next part, part two. How about we go look at the book of Exodus? And let's go to chapter four of Exodus. I, I I trust you guys will see the correlation here. Chapter four of Exodus. Now remember, we we have a man that was told three things. We know he did two of them really well, and he didn't do one of them at all. And if we were to follow the line, which we couldn't do tonight. But if we were to do it, we would find that the Lord was still speaking to this man. He had not become a covenant man yet, but he was being developed. And it got to a place where there was a war going on because, again, the area is all the area that this is occurring in is called Mesopotamia. It's a huge plot of land and it's all kinds of ITEs, ITEs in this area. So it's not that Abram wasn't aware of parasites and gergesites and cadmonites and all them other ites. He was, but he wasn't familiar with it from an Egyptian viewpoint because for a while God planted him, naturally speaking, and spiritually speaking, he planted him in Egypt, which is where Jacob ended up going into later which is out of the seed of Abraham, or Abram to Abraham. All right? You guys there? Chapter 4 of Exodus. Mm-hmm. We're still on the thing where God said, get up and get out, get this out of you, and get away from. All right? We're still, that's, that's our theme without calling it that. All right? This is now, mm-hmm. we're in the book of Exodus. All right? Abraham has passed away. He's with his forefathers. Sarai, his wife, actually Sarah, all of them are gone, all right? So we are now in what is the fourth generation that is spoken of to Abram, as his name is being changed in chapter 15 of Genesis. We are now looking in on the vision given to Abraham in chapter 15, 16, 17, We're now looking at it in fruition. That is, we're four generations from the time Abram was told to leave his father's house, leave the country, and get away from your preconceived ideas of how to live, and I will show you where you are to go. We're now in that place where where God planted Abraham and Abram and his wife Sarai, and now we are physically in Egypt, started out with Jacob. The Bible says more than 70 came with Jacob, and we are now planted in Jacob, but it's part of God's restoration or his planting of a nation and then causing them to be literally thrown out of the country. So let's see. Begin... um, Precious, mm-hmm. 
reading chapter four, verse one. Now, we're not going to do chapter three, you guys, or we'll never get to four. So four is a continuation of three. Moses has started to put up his stink. That is, he started to answering God. Uh, God told him to do certain things. He was to go back to the elders. He was to say, because well, Moses said, well, what name should I give? And he said, well, say this, and, and they will come. And then here's where the movie, the Ten Commandments, does not follow the Bible at all. The Ten Commandments show Moses and Aaron speaking to Pharaoh. Part That's partly true if we went straight Bible. The Bible says that God instructed Moses and Aaron to get a leader from the 12 tribes. So it would be 12 plus 2 or 14 people speaking before Pharaoh, but the movie only shows two. So right away, that's not in the Bible. I'm not saying the activities they did, but if you read the previous chapter, God is, says, Find, get me a leader from each of the families. And we get the names of every family and the leader. They joined with Aaron and Moses, and they made their journey to Pharaoh's palace. And that's significant because the movie says two faced Pharaoh and his court. Bible says, oh, no, 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 we're going to go apostolic. We're going to take 12 and two, and we're going to come that way. See, the, the God is showing that in the natural world, when governments are showing off because the governments in the natural world literally are being satanically um, directed or guided. Well, God said, well, okay, I can do the same thing. I know how to do that. So there was a representative of each tribe inside of a, a very wealthy palace. And then you had God in the form of, in, in, the, in, in Moses and Aaron speaking, but they all spoke. And that's what's missing in the movie. I don't know if Mr. DeMille thought that was, you know, out of character or whatever, but there was 14 voices speaking to Pharaoh, not one. Okay. Verse 1, please, precious, of chapter 4, Exodus. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it down on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. <laughs> then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. They okay, stop right there. <clears throat> Class, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm. Okay, we now know that Abram was instructed to get his little fanny out, his Chaldean self, out from his father's house, out from the country, away from all the ways they live and think, and to don't and to leave the house, meaning don't bring nobody with you, and and don't bring in them little tiny idols that can slide into your 
robe at night and get out. So now we're moved out of Genesis and we're now into the next phase of God's unveiling of his revelation. We now have a man who was born of uh, in, a, in a Levitical priest house. That is, his mom and dad were both of the tribe of Levi. All right. So here we have the man Moses having already been visited at the burning bush in chapter three. It's really not a bush, it's a tree, but I'm just going to make it easy for you guys. And this man, having heard the voice of the father and the son, because he was called twice, Moses, Moses. And so he's listening to these things. God told him, hey, you know, by the way, where you're standing, take take them sandals off. So the setup, this is a continuation of the setup. So now Moses hears that, oh, you're going to send me back to people. Well, I, I kind of know them. They're going to ask me, well, what proof do you have is really what that's saying. I want you to see something. We've already talked about Abram being from Chaldea, of, of the Chaldean culture. Moses, if you guys, you know this, you, you know this. He was raised in Pharaoh's palace. Mm -hmm. All right. So please hear this. A rod, a staff, whichever word, whichever, whichever way you want to look at it. If a priest, now, now mind you, Moses' little boy was around these sorcerers, soothsayers, wise men. He was around them. If you're in the palace of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is another name for a God on earth, but an Egyptian God on earth. If they were worshiping idols to the degree that there was satanic manifestations, then Moses is not unfamiliar with objects changing into another form. So I'm going to submit something to you that Moses, when this apparent serpent appeared after, after the Lord told him, he said, what's that in your hand? And he told him to lay it down, and it turned into something he had seen before as a child, a young man, and, of course, an older man. I would ask you, why if there is something that the Lord is taking that's familiar with Moses by being raised in Pharaoh's palace, why would the Bible uh, say that he was uh, frightened of it. He was scared, and literally he ran away. He ran, folks. It doesn't say it, but he ran. He took off. He got his motor scooter, and he booked it completely the <laughs> other way. He went four to five miles away. I'm not kidding. He did not run the 100-yard dash. He ran the five-yard, 500-yard <laughs> dash. 
that man booked. So it wasn't a serpent, you guys. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, it wasn't a serpent. But it was something that was on, that moved on land. Moses was familiar with with what the priests operated in. That's Pharaoh's court. They had the highest whatever's going on there. Satanic, yes, but still, still. So it wasn't serpent like we understand serpent. And I mean, King James and all the other folks, when they translated, you know, they tried to make it easy for us. So if now check this. Now, God is God. Moses is learning about God because of his Hebrew culture. God is being not careful with him, but he's being direct. Moses understood that to have a staff, it represents a priest. A priest represented God, false but a God. So God took what he knew, which was priest, manners because the king listened to the priests. So God took what the natural man, the natural palace would follow through, and God took that and used that so that the people in the palace would say, oh, wait a minute. Our priest uses a staff and throws it down and it becomes a snake, serpent. Moses by God's direction, and by the way, Moses didn't handle it. Aaron threw it down. He put it down. So, in essence, the Lord took Moses and Aaron and put those two toe-to-toe with Satan and Pharaoh. Because later on, when you read, the Lord says very clearly that Egypt thinks they're all that in a bag of chips. And he's going to show them meaning. Now, the them is not the people. The them is Pharaoh and his court. Because whatever they say, the people have to do it whether they agree with it or not. And we know that God cares for all of mankind. But when there's stubbornness in leadership, guess who God goes after? And that's what this is. You have confrontation of righteousness and unrighteousness. Mm. But what that this Pharaoh that we're that's right here in chapter four don't know is that God had planted Abram a idol worshiper already in the spirit in the land of Egypt before this particular Pharaoh came along. So he was unaware of what God was going to pull out of that seed of Abram, which became who became Abraham. And God took a, the seed in the spirit and he blossomed, blew up, <laughs> Egypt with the seed that he had planted four generations prior to Moses. 
So when the Lord says to cast it on the ground, he wasn't speaking of casting that rock. Yes, that's what he did. But you know who he cast down? He was telling Moses, I'm going to cast down every resistance that's come against my own people. Amen. Now, back to what I said about chapter one, chapter 12 of Genesis. Three things that God gave instruction to Abram that I said that's what he's speaking to you and I today, right now, 2022, August. Because he wants to cast down some things that have been hindering our walk, hindering our thinking, hindering our demeanor, hindering our emotions, hindering our thought path, hindering our families. He wants to throw that down. He wants us to cast that down. Mm. Wow. Precious, would you read? Uh, verses 3 through 5 again, please. Of Exodus 4. Uh, Exodus 4, yes, please. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. This class this demonstration here is for the people or the Israelites, even though Israel's not here yet, but for, for them, the Hebrew people. This is not for the court. This is for the Hebrew people. There's two demonstrations. There's the one before the people, which is here, the people, the Israelites, the, cap, the ones in captivity, and then there's one for Pharaoh's court. Now, uh, precious, uh, continue to read, read verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9. Um, before we... <laughs> oh, go ahead. Go ahead. If you have okay. a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Before we keep going, um, there's something that God has showed me in reference to this, especially when you were talking about casting down. Yeah. I kept, I literally kept looking at... Um, the verse, verse three, where it said Moses threw it on the ground. I just kept yes. literally looking at just those few words. Like he kept throwing it on the, ga- the ground. And then yes. when you said, you know, cast these things, to, you know, cast these things down. What came to my mind is like you were mentioning already is these very things that are, are conflicting us, you know, throw those things down on the ground. And when he threw it on the ground, yeah, it turned into a snake. But then when he reached back his hand again, it then became the staff. So I feel like there was an exchange in that. And I feel like as we cast these things down, we're, of course, we're relinquishing them unto God. But then when 
God tells us to, you know, put our hand back out. Now it's as if he's exchanging authority that now we have authority over it. So no, I'm just seeing true. that exchange happen there. Yeah, it, is. It, 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 it's exactly what you're saying. It is an exchange. And that's why I mentioned that in the land of Egypt, in order to for people, the people, the common people, to know mm-hmm. that you're a priest, not because you're decked out, you know, with bling bling, but you have priestly garb on. If you don't have a staff, they knew you were not a priest. And that's why God used that for Moses, but he used it to the people first and then to the court of Pharaoh. But yes, that is true. When because God Moses, said to read yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because up until this point, Moses was a scary cat. He was a straight, yeah. scary cat, yeah. period. When God told him he wanted to do, he wanted him to do this and that, he tried to run away. God brought him back. Oh, Lord, I have a speech impediment. Okay, then I'll raise up somebody to speak for you. So I feel all these issues that Moses had up until this point, he threw it on the ground. Yes, and then in exchange, in exchange, he was then able to then walk in his authority. But look how long it took him. Oh, exactly. Look how long it's taken us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but this that's is what I parallel. saw in this. That's yeah. that's what God just showed me. Is up until this point, look how many times Moses is ducking and diving from what God is saying, and then all of a sudden God's like, "Throw this thing on the ground." Meaning, <laughs> not really this. But can you just go ahead and throw these issues you got on the ground? And now that you you've done that, can you take the authority which is Christ and walk in that? So that's yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Lord was, sla- can I say it this way? The Lord was slapping him all upside, both sides of his head. Because <laughs> he had on one side of his head, he had, he knew he had the lineage of priests because uh-huh. of his mom. Because remember, his mom nursed him, right? And uh-huh. then, of course, he had to be turned over. No problem. And then the other side of his head is that Egyptian side. So God slapped both sides. He, he awakened him with the rod or the staff. Hey, you're a priest, man. And then the other side, oh, I'm going to knock that Egyptian stuff out of you. Just like Abram had to have the Chaldean stuff knocked out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he needed to be centered, but centered in yes. Christ. Yes, that's why, again, ladies and gentlemen in the class, that's why it was important <laughs> to look at on chapter 12, verse 1 of Genesis, what God said to do. He knows how to get the stuff out of us if we just listen to him. Praise your name, Lord. Wow. All right. You I may have continue. A question. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yes, please. Um, so you mentioned that the sign was for, you know, the ancestors of, um, for Abraham's descendants. Um, yes. Why, why, was, why did that speak to them? Because, okay. Understand how... These people, because they don't have the modern technology we do, everything is rehearsed in a story format. So the, the, the story of Abram to Abraham, his walk with the revelation of God being spoken to him, showing him the covenant, him living, all that is passed all the way down through the family lineage. So when I say God took Abram, and 
spiritually speaking, planted him in Egypt, mm. God was fulfilling what he was saying to a man who didn't even know God existed because he was, you know, he was idle minded for lack of any other term. So by the time we get to the book of Exodus, four generations have come into being on the planet Earth. And so now we're looking at God beginning to open up the Abrahamic covenant promise by using a priest to function in the land of idolatry, which is where that's how Israel was formed. It was formed from a man who was a heathen. But Abraham proved himself, and God, the Bible says God accounted that act of taking me at my word for righteousness. Amen. Does that does that help? Um. Yeah. It does. Still thinking okay. about it, but it does. Oh, okay. No, if it's not clear. Because I was mainly one. I mean, I yeah. Um, I was mainly trying to understand the like how did why did that sign speak to him? Is it because of the fact that Abraham came from? you know, a family lineage of uh, doing different signs and wonders? Is that what it was? Well, well, it wasn't his family, but it was the culture he was in. Yes, the culture. Got it. The, okay. Yeah, yeah, the satanic thing. Okay, let's say it was in, I'm going to say it this way. Let's say it was in Abraham's DNA. Okay, let's say it was. All right, no problem. That's no problem for God. That's where the covenant comes in. He said, we're going to sacrifice your son. Oh, oh, that changed everything. Because first of all, he didn't have a son. I mean, by his, you know, by his own, by the way, the covenant promised to him and his wife. He did have a son, but it wasn't a covenant promised son. Okay. Well, Ishmael has the same DNA structure that Abram had over the Chaldees. Okay. Keep pat, keep going, going down. Moses, Moses has the same DNA as his great, 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 great grandfather Abraham had too. Hmm. All right. So what I'm saying is, until Christ came, bing, bloodline gets cleansed. But God, hmm. didn't, that didn't move God. God is greater than all that stuff. So God looks at us. Let's say all of us was before Jesus coming, but we have Abraham. So we're all practicing what Abraham did. So we know to worship him. We know to have animal sacrifices, and we do those things. God looks at that as though Christ were accepted in our life. Wow. All right? Wow. And then when when Jesus died, went to Hades for three days and three nights, then he preached to us, the spirits who were in Abraham's bosom. We said, yes, that's the promise. And then when uh, Ephesians says, uh, that Christ led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's mm-hmm. us. That used to be down there, but now we're up there. Mm. So God takes our acts. See, the, if we would ever understand what obedience is to God, a whole lot of things would change for us without us having to cry every Sunday. Because <laughs> God will say, "You are." See, He's going to say these words. And he puts them together, so you should be shouting when he says it to you. You are my faithful servant. Y'all should run a marathon and beat everybody. 
when God says that. Amen. That's how much he loves us, folks. That's how much he loves us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Does that help? Yes, that does. Thank you. Oh, sure. Anybody else before we go on? You guys, I'm getting all excited and I'm trying not to. Because <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got to part three yet. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take that. You may go on, Precious. I guess nobody, either they're stunned or they're offline. I don't know which. Um, oh. Verse six? Yes. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. Stop so, right there. Stop mm-hmm. right there. Okay, you guys. Have we seen so far before the man? Oh, you know he's a shepherd. Remember, he's still on the backside. This, he, he has not left the area of where this burning tree is, okay? So don't think, oh, my, well, the scene has changed. He's at the hotel now. Nope. He's still out there. This is all after uh, chapter three, where he's dealing, where God is dealing with him. All right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys know how much the thick clothing is at this time of year. So in order for this man to put his hand in his bosom, he has to release a lot of clothing. Okay, continue, Precious. Um, okay, now I was looking at what the definition of cloak. Okay, so Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Continue. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. So remember, mm -hmm. excuse me, precious, I'm sorry. Remember I said there's two demonstrations. This one is for the children of Israel. Okay, continue. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Cecil B. the Mills, wait, wait, wait. Stop the, <laughs> stop the cameras. Stop. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Bible says in chapter 7 of Exodus that the first... Oh, by the way, you guys. Plague. I don't know why. I don't know why. No, it's not a plague. Think about it. If we went through all 10 things, they're not plagues. I mean, what the, by the definition. All right? Mm-hmm. They're not plagues. No, 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 no. They are demonstrations of God's glory. All right? Because God said... Y'all don't know me. He was speaking to Pharaoh, not the people. He was speaking to the leadership. Mm-hmm. Remember, there's one leader per tribe, 12, the number of apostolic, government, foundation, there, and then Moses and Aaron, God and his prophet. So Pharaoh's court is a 
demonstration of governmental rule for the whole land. God took out from, I'll keep going back to Chaldea, the Chaldeans, he took all, he went lineage, and he brought a man born of a priest, mm. priestly house, Levi, Levi. And he brought those men together. He brought two brothers together. And now God is saying, oh, by the way, um, <clears throat> put your hand inside your clothing. So it took a while for him to undo it because, you know, <laughs> he's a shepherd. He ain't, he ain't going around with no clothes on. So it took a while. I'm going to ask you late. I'm going to ask everybody. What is the first, if you put your hand inside your chest, what? organ would you feel beating under your hand when you put your hand inside your clothing your heart thank you so why does god say put your hand in your heart or over your heart why does he say that after all the things we've been talking about so far why did god say oh by the way you're going to be standing in front of my people your people and he says put your hand where your heart is why does he say that is it in reference to Pledge of Allegiance? <laughs> Continue. Keep the thought going. I think he's pledging his allegiance to God. And what else can it mean to um, play? I mean, that that can be one aspect of that. But he said to place, to place your hand there, which means you could put it on your stomach, your belly button. You could put it on your shoulder. But he said to place it in your bosom, which means you get to, you, you have an opportunity to feel a pulse, the heartbeat. But whose heart, whose heartbeat is it that he's after? His Our, people, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It's an expression of his love for us, or yeah. you know, them at that time. Okay. Yes. You know this. I don't know how many diseases were around then, and I really don't want to know why. <laughs> Does God take Moses, who's been stubborn up to this point, one head, one side of his head is Jewish or Hebrew, and the other side is Egyptian. Why does he literally pause Moses' hand, probably up to his wrist, to become leprous? Why was why didn't it come out as a blood skin disease? Why why wasn't it cancer? Why wasn't um why wasn't it suns not sunspots but boils? How come I don't and I'm not saying God had a choice, but why did he say leprous? Does it represent the people turning away from the Lord's love? <laughs> okay, okay, now follow that thought through. That, 
follow it. Okay, say it now. Keep going. Walk, walk with that. Yeah. Um, well, that's kind of all I heard. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. The reason I say walk, walk through with it, just, okay, that's, you're on the right road, and now keep walking, and, all this, and more will be added to that. Because what, okay, if Moses is stubborn, wouldn't the people be stubborn too? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's why I said walk with it. So if God is saying, because remember, he's doing this, and this demonstration is before Hebrew people, not Egyptian court, you know, quarter, people in the courts of, of Egypt. This is Hebrew people. So is God saying something about the heart mindset of the people that when he's coming to deliver them, meaning he's going on the inside to deliver them, that the first thing he finds out about them as a people is that it is leprosy. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying they did it on purpose. I'm just saying what's there. Because God deals with what is there. Sometimes he'll tell us, you know, he'll tell us root cause. Other times he already know what the root cause is. But he wants us to see what the root cause is. Why is it that he did not say boils, cancer, uh, Lyme disease, but he said leprous? I mean, I think, I think I, oh, I think go I ahead. Got it. No, um, go ahead. I'm listening. Um, because when they had leprous, they had to go outside of yeah. the uh, of the I guess the circle or wherever they were at. So yes. basically, as I mean, get out, get yeah. out of where you're at now, and continue to keep on going out. And as we continue to go out, we we can expand what God is doing in this current time. Because there's a lot of things that culture right now has put on us, and we yeah. bring that culture in with Christianity and I'm starting to understand this now even more and more as I'm saying this that God says that the traditions of, of our culture have made the word of God of no effect and he wants us to continue going out and out um, in this area and as we go out he's able to expand more and more the things that we think we know about him, but as we get to know him on a more intimate level, God can do exceedingly more than whatever tradition has available for us in Christian Amen. culture. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. I like that. I, I love else? it, but I got, I got scolded for this this uh, concept. If you don't mind me saying that, and it wasn't you do it. it was, Why? Uh, okay, so um, I had mentioned that an act of worship in this house was going to be beyond what we have now, and only because God showed me even through people in whether it be let's put it this way whether it be through, let's just say, MTV, because there were Christians that were on MTV before. And 
there were also people of the Christian faith that were being on TV in the 90s. And and I was saying that our worship is going to be beyond where we're at now, which is like, you know, oh, holy, holy. It's, it's, it's beyond that. It's going to be like, God saved me from this in, in, in hip hop and rock. And, and, and I'm starting to hear more of it. I'm even hearing people that have, that were in it from the, from the cultural side of it and got out into the godly side of it and got kicked out of big bands. And I'm like, Oh wow. And humbled themselves down for the Lord. And now they're doing greater things than they were in these big time satanic, uh, media and and i was like this is going to be our house of worship because god wants to take the bad and end up turning it into good but because of the people that were associated with that culture which is hip-hop it got took into a place of it's okay to listen to hip-hop i said i never said that and and i've been trying to expand more and more on this because god's creating right now um hip-hop artists that are Christians that are out of this world. And now people that are in the hip hop artists are actually saying, yeah, I've heard of this artist named Lecrae or KB and they're doing things off the charts. And I got scolded for saying that because it was kind of brought down. And I actually had a really fighting conversation with another believer about this. And and I, I really fought the whole thing of being torn down in this place. Because it did bring shame upon me because I was like, man, I can't believe I said this in this environment. But because I got to, I got pulled to the side and talked to and actually argued the case in this manner. And it wasn't been brought, it wasn't brought forth in that place because there are still people that were struggling in that area and they couldn't receive the freedom in that area. In a okay. nutshell. Oh, no, no, I follow you clearly, sir. I follow you clearly. And I I applaud you for standing your ground. Anyone else have a comment before we jump? Well, before we jump. I mean, I was just going to say that when you think about leprosy during that time, um, that's one of the most unclean things to have upon you. And anything that's unclean, like how Brandon was saying, it was like you needed to be exiled as far far away, go over there. We don't want to see that. So I feel Moses putting his hand into his cloak and you know re- revealing that is showing the the infection or the you know um, the disease or whatever. But him putting his hand back inside is Christ saying, "But I want to heal. I want to restore." So that's what I'm looking at is the restoration that yeah. Christ wants to do with us. And would not this possibly be uh, a consideration? Remember, Moses is going to do this in front of whatever numbers of hundreds of thousands of people, okay? Mm-hmm. So he can remember what God said. He got, you know how God preps us. He'll say, uh, in the beginning, this is, and then he goes into it, all right? So he said, if they will not, oh, that's a, that's, you guys don't ever want to hear God say, if, if you won't believe me in this, you, you don't want him to say that. <laughs> Please avoid him saying that to you. Because what is what does he do? What is what did uh, Precious read? He said, "If they will not believe 
neither hearken to your voice about the first sign, they will mm-hmm. relieve the voice of the latter sign. All right? So they were stubborn. Mm-hmm. Remember, they complained about making bricks. They complained because we don't have any more straw. They complained because Moses went in and he told them what he was going to say, he and Aaron were going to say. And then they came back to report, and the people were saying, oh, man, is it time for us to leave yet? And uh, (laughs) Moses, with a sad face, said, no, folks, I didn't. You know, he was kind of mumbling his breath, and Aaron had to speak up. So the people got all over his case. And then the next verse we read that Moses said, you wanted me to do these people. And then that's when we start (laughs) with God's demonstrations, okay? If you call them plague, please look up what the word plague is. Because then you have to go through each one of them and see if they're really a plague. All right. Where'd you leave off, Precious? So we can go to part three. I left off at the end of nine where the water take from the river will become blood on the ground. Okay. Now, isn't that something? Mm-hmm. The very thing that God wanted to do with his own people first before mm-hmm. getting over to Pharaoh. Oh, y'all don't believe these two signs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you see, see the leprosy? See the leprosy? I'm trying to show you what is about me for you and now you're not going to take me so here's what i'm going to do now remember if you guys have ever studied these those 10 activities that god blew on egypt remember the very first one we know he changed the river or the river uh the nile river and it was at a high point it wasn't no it wasn't at the low season it was the high season Mm-hmm. The Nile River and all associated waters were turned to blood. But what does God say here in verse 9? It shall come to pass if they will not be- also uh, believe the two signs, neither hearken to your voice. You shall take of the water of the river, that's the Nile, and pour it upon dry land. And the water which you take out of the river shall become blood. Do you realize that God said, okay, stubborn people, because I'm coming to you first before I come to the government that's ruling over you to show you that I am your God. Since you won't believe it, you get to go through three of them with them. When you read about those demonstrations of of the might of God, it's Israel was in on it too. Or actually, the Hebrews were in on it too. The first three. Afterward, Moses had pulled his hand out of his bosom, and it became as white as snow or newborn baby skin. And then Goshen wasn't attacked anymore. Again, I want you to see the symbolism. Turn to chapter 7. This is part 3. Exodus chapter 7. 
Okay. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. But if we don't get through it, it's fine because I'll give you the end of it. But just the first 12, and this is part three. Does anyone have any questions before we jump into the explosive third part? I guess not. Okay, precious. Verse 1, chapter 7. We're going to verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to, Mo spoke to Pharaoh. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff and he became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. <laughs> there go that authority. You tried it. You tried it. Oh, gosh. If you guys could see what is going on mm. on a daytime soap opera called The Pharaoh's Army or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> oh man talking about a, if they could make a movie just off these 12 verses you could make the movie about four or five hours long we have to have two or three intermissions <laughs> god starts out saying to a man i'm gonna make you like a god see, see the confrontation is in the spirit god is facing off with a nation that is idolatrous. So, but we know that because it's all in all in the DNA. No problem. What's keeping them is the is the blood covenant. Well, the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, which includes blood because you have to sacrifice. God is expressly telling us whatever He says for us to do, say it, do it. That's what he's saying to uh, Moses and Aaron in the first two verses. Whatever he commands us to speak, even if it's to go and say hi, we're supposed to go say hi. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. And 
the Lord has addressed verse 4, chapter 7. He didn't address the Israelites, the Hebrews, as his people. He changed names. And if he's changing names, we need to pay attention. Mm. He calls his people who don't know him yet. He calls his people warriors. Now, excuse me, is is it true or is it not true? Abram came from a warring country or a warring type nation, Ur of the Chaldees. I gave a strong description of what he what he came what he came from. So it's in the DNA. Mm-hmm. So the warlikeness, and I don't mean going killing and murdering, although that unfortunately is true, that passed all the way through. That aspect. Mm-hmm. Remember, Abram in chapter 13 of Genesis trained his own house. He had his own black ops and green berets. He had his own. 318 train. How do you train that if you don't go outside of your camp to go get the trainers? That means that man understood military strategy and tactics. That would suggest that he was a commander of some kind of forces. I'm talking about Abram. Don't tell me that won't pass down lineage-wise. God said to bring forth his armies, his people, the children of Israel. So now God is pitting all the multitude of the, at this time, Men who are of age for fighting, there's enough to be a standing army. And it's more than armies with an S, but standing army. Meaning their numbers, of course, are not the same as Egypt's, but the people as a whole was greater than all of Egypt. So God is using warfare language now. See how God is adding to what he's saying in this accounting. We start with a man who's raised by his mother, paid by the princess in Egypt. Then he is schooled in the ways of Egypt and his heritage, which his mom and his sister and brother taught him while he was in their house. Then he goes and acts like a man and he kills somebody thinking he's helping out and tries to hide it. (laughs) Then he goes down to Midian, meets a black family, and then he uh, meets another priest. The priest tells him, thank you for helping my daughters. Here, marry this one. So now Moses is in a mixed marriage. Ha ha. 
Moses is on the backside. He's down in the south. Same thing with Abram. He's down in the south. God speaks to him. Notice, God did not speak to Aaron. What I'm saying is he didn't separate him out. So again, God knows what he wants to unfold in us. And all the things we go through when we're crying and boo-hooing, I don't know what I'm going to do, and wringing our hands, and all along God is just shaking his head and saying, come on, come on, come on, come on, because he's unfolding something on the inside of us that is so valuable. Mm-hmm. I got a question for you guys. Verse 7. Why in the middle of this great scene does God stop and say, oh, and by the way, Moses and Aaron, Moses is fourscore or 80, and Aaron is just three more years older. Why in the middle of this narrative does it seem fitting to speak about how old a stubborn, hard-headed, I don't get it yet, God, man, why does he, why does God stop and go, oh, by the way, Moses is 80 <laughs> and his brother 83, and then he goes right back to why does, why do we have a break in the action? As a reminder to let us know, <laughs> look how old they are and they doing the works of the Lord. Can I say it? Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Like, the Lord doesn't need us to be a certain age in order to use it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You want to hear something funny? No, everything that's been said is true. Pharaoh is not old in this. You know, he's probably in his 30s. So Moses, and I don't think Moses was bent over like it is in the movie. I think he was standing strong. I mean strong, the kind like when he walks in, people fall over, that kind of strong. I think the Lord is showing what it looks like when no matter what you have been confronted with up until this time, that the age factor is not what is in activity going on here. Because Moses' first 40 years was luxury. And then the next 80 years is not luxury in, this, in the natural sense. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of a palace that is lined with how, whatever kind of gold, because gold is, I think it's called gold of Ophir. It was, you know, it was, it's that good stuff. The <laughs> palace had those marble floors, polished. The walls had all this ornate paintings and statuary. The priests and the princesses and the slaves in the palace, and of course the concubines and all of them 
everybody was dressed to a T. Two men and 12 representatives come in looking like, well, not quite Skid Row. (laughs) All right. And they did not have on Armani. Okay. That's an interesting picture in my mind right now. They had on on FUBU. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Oh they God. didn't. They didn't have sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. Now they had they had jewelry on, but not the kind. Like if we if we kept switch the camera switched back and forth, we would see luxury around the neck. You know them big those big emblems. Not not you know they weigh five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pounds. Mm-hmm. You had the finest silk on the women, see through. Excuse me, I'm not trying to be nasty, but they were see through. They had good clothing on. The maidens that served the princesses and the queens and all that, they had good clothes on. Mm. The priests had good clothes on. Their staff was polished, not looking like the one that Aaron was walking with with his brother. The 12 representatives from the different tribes had on their tribal colors. And God said, when Pharaoh asked of you, why, you know, to show you how, I don't know what Pharaoh's mental condition is, because I didn't do that kind of study of, because you can tell by people say certain things with kind of mental condition. But the very first thing out of his mouth, he wanted to see a show. He was not interested in hearing about God. He was not interested in hearing about how much gold, silver, and coinage you can bring. He wanted to know what kind of show are you presenting to me? And so he, so God put on a priestly show. Precious, would you read verse 11 and 12 again, please? Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down their, his, each one threw down his staff and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Ladies and gentlemen in class, you are now in the jury box. I'm going to ask you a question that's standing all out of 12, verse 12 here. 11 says that Pharaoh called for ministers of the court that does X, Y, and Z Mm -hmm. because he had asked for a show from Moses, Aaron, and the 12 tribal leaders. God said he would do that. So Moses and Aaron already had the practice of when you do this, when you do the rod thing, you get a serpent thing. Why in verse 12, after these men who were called upon to imitate or copy or duplicate what had just occurred, by the way, 
the Bible says that the king called for them. That means they weren't there. But once they got in the room, you know you have people who always be whispering. Mm-hmm. So they caught wind real quick of what was going on. Why? Because the staff that Aaron had laid down was active. And God saw that it would be active so that when these men came, they didn't have to question anything. And so when 12 says that they cast down every man his rod, they became snakes or serpents. Why does, okay, why does the Bible say that Aaron's rod, not Aaron's snake, consume them? I'm going to ask, because it's right here in our face, if we're going from subject to subject, why is it that the rods of the enemy is cast down, but God doesn't say Aaron's snake inhaled them? It says his rod. Mm-hmm. Why does it say that? Wait a minute. Aren't, aren't we subject to subject, verb to verb? Why? Why? Why are we looking at men with a rod, throws it down, becomes a snake? But the Bible says Aaron, again, the prophet to Moses, it says Aaron's rod, not Aaron's snake. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, I have to ask. I, I know the answer, but I have to ask. What is going on here, folks, in verse 12? Why in, I'm not even going to go into ancient Hebrew because I know what the ancient Hebrew says. But why does it go from from snake on the enemy side or Egyptian side and comes all the way back over here to the rod and says the rod is the one that did it. Whereas the movie shows snakes doing snake, but the Bible says rod do snake. Can you hear me? Yes, go on. Um, is it because um, God was um, his was sacred, but theirs was evil. And and the snake was evil because that's why he said he would always be on his on his um, crawling instead of of walking. He was going to be crawling. Okay. That 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 is in there. But remember, I'm I'm looking at I'm just looking at word to word. It this our Bibles say a rod or a staff consumed something moving. And I'm asking, why does God change the wording? What is it he wants us to see by changing the wording? We, Everybody knows, that's online, that there was rods, there was wood tossed, and they all were moving around. But now we're looking at, wait a minute, it says Aaron's rod. It doesn't say Aaron's snake. The movie is going to mislead us and misguide us. So why is it in the Bible? Make you another margarita. I'm interested in your guys' answer. Is <laughs> it because Aaron's authority overpowered their authority, Aaron and Moses' authority, overpowered the enemy's authority? 
That's what the rod stands for, yes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. Doesn't the staff represent the full authority of Christ? Oh, it represents even more than that. But you can say that. I mean, I will take that. Yes, it it is full authority. But um, if it's full authority, can can I can I say this for you guys and and see if this makes sense to your thinking? The rod is not just authority. It's a four-letter word that starts with L, L I F E. Because remember, that's mm-hmm. the same one. This is the same one. When they claim they were thirsty, this is the same. This is the same rod, staff, that God instructed Moses to do a certain thing with a rock in order to get water out. So it's not just authority. Is this the same rod that also healed them when they had to look at it? Though the same rod that has that uh, thing that doctors have. You know what I'm talking about? That they have to look at the rod to be healed. So does well, that do it, with that too? Well, well, you're close. You're close, sir. You're very close. It it really wasn't uh, a rod in the sense of this, because the rod that we are referring here, that the Bible is referring to, is a walking stick. And the one that, what you're referencing, which you're not that far off, by the way, by the way, because it's, the, it's, the, it's what it represents, is that it is a... It is something to look at and to be healed. And and then what you're saying there is correct. It's not a on that what they were to look at was not a rod, but it's the same concept. It's the exact same concept. Oh, so so is it saying that it's like a false comfort? <laughs> I'm just thinking like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because if you're leaning upon something, that's 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 bringing forth comfort. I don't know. I'm I'm really trying to break this down, but I know it's simple. So, anyway, oh, it is it is really really simple. Um, but the rod has, and in this case, it has multiple meanings. One of them is L-I-F-E, life. And is it, is the other one, um, Jesus, God himself, Jesus, you know, it represented him. It was him. I will take that. I will take that. But remember, it's in the hands of a priest. I'm trying to give you guys clues. Remember, the, God, when he took Moses and Aaron to show the people first, the Israelites first. And the very first thing is he told Moses to throw the, throw the rod down, throw the staff down. Mm-hmm. And Moses ran away. God had to coax him back. He said, pick it up by the tail. Second thing, hand inside the clothing mm-hmm. over the heart. Pull out. Leprous. Put it back in. Now pull it out. Third sign, if they won't take you on the first two, go over there, get some of that water out of that there Nile, pour it on dry land, and now they will believe. Because they would not take or accept the first two, let's call them miracles. 
they had to go through three of the of the ten plagues. The whole nation. So the rod here is also life. It also represents each tribe because there's life. The, the wood represents life. Jesus, as uh, was so eloquently said, that the rod is Christ. Yes. Wood also represents Christ in the Bible. So that's a true statement, Josie. That's true. It is Christ, it, and, and in the natural, it is a walking stick. But look what God did with that walking stick to a nation that was as idolatrous mm-hmm. as the one Abram had came from. Difference is the people in captivity had a God had the name the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Abram didn't have all that. They had stories passed down mouth to mouth to mouth to mouth. They probably probably did some they probably they knew how to weave, so they probably had woven stories too. But because of, you know, six million thousand years, the stuff probably had disintegrated. But it was customary for the fathers to tell stories to the young children before they would go to sleep. So it was orally given. Any questions or comments? Here's a shirt. Put it on. <laughs> okay. Hey, Prophet, could we also yes. say that the 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 rod also represented um, the foreshadowing of Christ, which is striking the serpent on his yeah. head, and yeah. and also like him actually defeating Satan. So in in the work that he completed at that current time. Sure. Oh. Yeah. No problem there. No problem. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess everybody's stunned or they went to sleep. Okay. No. No. no, I I really no when when Brandon said what he just said, that really yeah. struck a chord in me. It's yeah. as if like Christ is now taking his stance, full power, full authority, all these other gods are no longer so I, there's something definitely in that to what Brandon just said absolutely oh, yeah. definitely definitely I was saying that I was uh I was trying to respond a few times but I wasn't able to unmute but precious oh. Just helped me. <laughs> oh, it's sorry okay about that. it's oh. okay because um what I was going to say was said by 
you by Sakia and by Brandon. So it was covered. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There we go. The Trinity. No. Yeah, yeah. We we don't want to mute you. <laughs> we want you to come it's out okay. with your rod swinging. It's okay. <laughs> if I unmute, you'll hear my baby and his hiccups. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Well, folks, I have enjoyed this. I had to cool my, calm myself down because I was coming out of my skin because <laughs> of the stuff that's in this chapter that God is saying, not just then, but he's saying to us now. And it all starts back in Genesis chapter 12, those three things he wants us to go to him with so that he can, so when we go to the country, which could be the neighborhood. When he says, I want you to go, da, 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 we won't have nothing inside of us going. I don't remember. None of that stuff will come <laughs> up because it won't be there. He has so much, uh, he has transformational uh, aspects that he wants us to uh, not only experience and live out, but to share with others. Well, Brandon, if you'd like to close us out in wonderful prayer, we we be listening. <laughs> sure. Lord, we just thank you for this awesome word. We also thank you that each individual will stand up and walk out what this word calls us to do, which is to step out and be all that you called us to be to stand for everything that Christ created us to be and to stand in that authoritative um, and the authority that Christ has given each and every single here on this call and that we become the extraordinary Christians that they come asking us for wisdom and we begin to stand along other kings and queens of this of this age and they ask us for the wisdom that we have in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for this. Well, I get to see y'all Sunday. Look out. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm Prophet Andre, I would I would love to for and it doesn't have to be next week, but in the future, continue in the book of Exodus in regards to you mentioned it's not plagues, but it's the 10 things that God did. I would love to go over that. Oh, sure. Sure. That would be yeah. awesome. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.